passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus in the eighth inning, Willie goes to Aaron Hallman. And I'm not sure what Aaron Hallman's legacy is to us as Met fans these days. You know, he was an interesting Met. He was a starting pitcher. He gets moved to the bullpen, had some success, then started to be terrible. I feel like Aaron Hallman doesn't get crap for this game. Like, he gets crap as maybe being a mediocre reliever. But I don't feel like Aaron Hallman gets crap for what ended up happening in this game. Because what ended up happening in this game wasn't really all his fault. So he comes in for the eighth and pitches a clean inning, gets the first two guys out, falls behind Pujols. They just put him on base, which was smart. So it was an intentional walk, but it was not really an intentional walk. And then they strike out one in Carnacion. So Aaron gives you that nice, clean, tidy eighth inning. We get another tease in the bottom of the eighth because Beltron draws that leadoff walk against Supan, and we finally get that crappy man out of this game. I was about to call him a shithead but I felt like that was too harsh. I feel like I've cursed a lot, so I'm going to take that back. We finally get Jeff Supon out of this game, and Randy Flores comes in and looks like Sandy Koufax. He strikes out Delgado. He strikes out David Wright. Sean Green hits the easiest ground ball to first base, and that's it. And we're not even, we're not even threatening. So at this point, this Met offense had managed two base hits, and they both came in the first inning. The Beltron double that started the bottom of the first with two outs and the David Wright balloon pop-up in a right field. That's it. Like this offense had nothing against Jeff Supon and Randy Flores. And then we get to the ninth inning. Why does Billy Wagner not pitch? Fair question. Now, I will admit I am glad he didn't pitch. I was actually a believer that Billy Wagner should not come in this game. Now, you may say to yourself, well, why do you ask? Billy Wagner had sucked in this series. And quite frankly, Billy Wagner gets away scot-free. 
for the way he pitched in this National League Championship Series. Because in the previous game, game six, the night before, the Mets had a 4-0 lead going into the ninth inning. And Willie Randolph went to Billy Wagner. Not even a save situation. Just, hey, can you get these last three outs? Our season's on the line. He gave up a base hit. He gave up a double. So Taguchi, who's also known as Mr. Billy Wagner, he's Billy Wagner's dad, ripped the two-run double. And all of a sudden, the Cardinals brought the tying run to the plate in game six of the NLCS. Now, to Billy Wagner's credit, he got David Eckstein out, and he was able to get through it. Great, let's have a party. But he did not make things easy in game six of the NLCS. And then you've got game two of the NLCS. Remember that one? That's where this series sort of got away. The Mets are up 3-0 in the first inning. They're up 6-4 in the seventh inning. And Guillermo Moto was actually the one that kind of gave the game up. He gave up this brutal two-run double to Scott Spezio that Sean Green almost caught. And, and Moda deserves blame for that. But in the ninth inning of a tie game, and I'm bringing this up for a freaking reason. In the tie game, top of the ninth inning, Billy Wagner came in and immediately gave up a home run to Sotoguchi, which gave the Cardinals the lead. And to make matters worse, he then gave up an RBI double to Scott Spezio ahead of the count and an RBI single to Juan Encarnacion to the point where Billy Wagner did not finish the inning, came out of the inning. Roberto Hernandez had to come in and clean up his mess. So Billy Wagner had pitched in two games in this NLCS. A tie game at home in which he took a giant dump on the field. And then game six of the NLCS in which he turned a 4 nothing lead and made it exciting. Why is Billy Wagner not referred to as Armando Benitez? Why? But why do we just crap on Benitez and we never talk about Billy Wagner? Well, I'm going to talk about Billy Wagner. And it's very, 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 very much related to game seven of the NLCS. So when I ask you, and we all ask ourselves, why didn't the closer, who's supposedly going to the Hall of Fame, why did he pitch the ninth inning? He didn't pitch the ninth inning because he sucked. He didn't pitch the ninth inning because Willie Randolph knew, I can't trust this guy. That's why he didn't pitch the ninth inning. So why is Aaron Heilman being asked to pitch a second inning? Because he didn't trust Billy. And I read an interview with Billy Wagner years later in which he was asked, hey, how come you didn't pitch the ninth inning of game seven? And he went and said, and this is such a loser's mentality, but he was like, yeah, I wouldn't have pitched myself either. I wasn't pitching well. Aaron Heilman was. <laughs> okay. Yeah, because you were choking in the biggest spot. Like, I don't want to be biased in talking about Billy Wagner as a Hall of Famer or not, because this has nothing to do with if he's a Hall of Famer or not. You know, you look at his whole numbers, you look at his career, but let is, let's call it like it is. With this team in 2006, he was as big of a part of a reason why they did not win as anybody. He's a big reason why they lost game two. They could have been up 2-0 in this series. And he's the reason Aaron Hallman was asked to pitch the ninth inning after pitching a clean eighth inning. So I put more of this on Billy Wagner than I do Aaron Hallman. And this is mildly discussed on the broadcast. But for the most part, it was just accepted. Okay, Aaron Hallman staying in this game. And Aaron Hallman strikes out Jim Edmonds, gives up a base hit to Scott Rowland. It was a really good at-bat by Scott. I handed it to him. It was a long at-bat. And then the very first pitch, the very first pitch that he throws to Yadi Molina, 
it is what it is. I mean, you're going to break it down. You hit the ball over the fucking fence. That, there you there you go. It's it's nice and simple. It happened. And so that's it. I mean, honestly, well, what are we talking about? That's why Billy Wagner didn't come in. And what I, I'd love to know is if Aaron Hammond didn't throw that hanger to Yachty and didn't hit that two-run home run, and let's say the game was tied going into the 10th inning, would Billy Wagner have come into the game? Or would Tommy Glavin have come in the game? Because Tommy Glavin was available out of the bullpen. Would uh, Pedro Feliciano had just come in the game? Would Guillermo Moda had come in the game? Would Roberto Hernandez had come in the game? Like, who was going to pitch that 10th inning? Was it really going to be Billy Wagner? And why would it be Billy Wagner? Because that 10th inning probably would have been against the top of the order. And at some point, Tony La Russa may have shown Billy Wagner's kryptonite, which is so Taguchi. At some point, that may have happened. Uh, I hate Billy Wagner Hoff. I don't know if you've picked up on that. I don't really like him very much. Yeah, no, I really was more of like a, a Heilman hater, not a, as much of a Wagner hater, but I understand your point. I mean, Heilman was the guy who, listen, you could have done anything else than put Heilman in for two innings. I, partly the reason the, the, the dis, dislike for Heilman is because of previous years of him complaining about not being a starting pitcher. He didn't really want to be a bullpen guy. That rubbed me the wrong way. But you're in a playoffs. You're in a big spot here. Hallman did his job for winning. If you don't want to go to Wagner, that's fine. Go to somebody else. But Hallman just was not. That that was his that was his kryptonite was he can't go more than one inning. Yeah. And look, he gives up a home run to a guy that you can't give up a home run to. The ninth inning <laughs> this is this is one of those innings you could kind of recite in your sleep. And obviously, we spoke to Adam Wainwright about it. The Mets get the first two guys on base. You know, Valentin gets a base hit. Andy Chavez gets a base hit. Though Those guys could have done it two innings earlier. That would have been nice. Like, if they do it two innings earlier, maybe we're having a different discussion. And then Willie Randolph makes a decision that I don't agree with, but I get it. I don't agree with it. I didn't agree with it, but I get it. He went emotion. He went full-fledged. Cliff Floyd is banged up. He can still swing, and maybe he can pop one. And maybe this will be the Kirk Gibson moment in New York Met history. And Cliff Floyd battles Adam Wainwright, and I hope you guys remember what happened. He struck out on a nasty curveball because that happens. Because Adam Wainwright had one. And I thought this at the time when I was in the ballpark that night. I was sort of happy Cliff struck out because I was really scared that if he hit the ball on the ground, it was going to be the easiest double play in the world. And that would have really short-circuited things down by two runs in the ninth inning. But the other option was to bunt. And you could have sent up, you know, Anderson Hernandez. You could have sent up Tom Glavin. Uh, I know those are obvious if you send those guys up that you're bunting. But if you lay down the bunt and there's second and third, nobody out, a one out, and now you're a base hit away from tying the game. It felt like it made more sense than going pure emotion with Cliff Floyd. Again, I get it, but I didn't love it, and I wouldn't have done it. And then Reyes hits that ball on a one-two pitch off the bat that you think, oh, Jim Edmonds had him played perfectly. And Wayno was right when we had him on about how close that 3-1 pitch was to Laduca. It was a very close pitch, but he did walk him. And then you got the, the, the at-bat. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And you know, it's just so quick. That's what I remember about Beltron coming up. It was just so. That moment lasted very briefly. It was bing, bing, boom. It was, I'm not swinging at the first pitch. I'm swinging at the second pitch, and I'm going to stare at this nasty curveball, and that's going to be it. And then the eerie silence falls over Shea Stadium, and I wanted to punch my tablet is essentially how that went. And I keep seeing that moment over and over again, thinking, if Carlos swings, what happens? Like I I had that vision when I was in the ballpark that night that he was going to hit one to right center field, up the alley, and that's how it was going to end. He was going to rip one up the alley, Both runs would have scored, and that's how the Mets were going to win the pennant. It was going to be this epic moment, and obviously it was the complete opposite. It was just this nasty curveball that he stared at, and what could have been game six, 86 all over again, like a promising, incredible rally, ends with such a thud. And seeing them celebrate and hearing that silence at Chase Stadium and remembering the, the feeling I had walking out of that stadium yeah, this exercise was not fun. This was not an enjoyable experience. Sorry to laugh at that. Yeah, not, that's that's disturbing. I So I was at a bar. I've told the story a few times. I was at a bar waiting for my cousin to um, – there was like a battle of the bands. I was in bands back in the day. So there was a battle of bands somewhere in, uh, in New York City, and we, we were waiting for this game to finish before anyone played. So it was late at night. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, no worries. You know, this, this game will be over soon. We'll watch the show, whatever. Soon as the out happened, I put my head down. I walked out of the bar straight to my car. And I don't remember getting home, not because I've been drinking, but because I literally was in a fog. Like that was, I didn't speak to anybody. I don't know the first word I uttered. It might have been the next day because I was just so pissed off. Yeah, and that fog we were all in, it lasted a long time because that I think what's so depressing about this game is that we didn't see the playoffs again until 2015. Like little did we know that things were about to get so much worse uh for this franchise. That's a tough rewatch. It's a very tough rewatch. And it was awkward seeing myself because <laughs> watching this game. You can see how Fox was so obnoxious in showing like every fan in the ballpark. And by the way, I never knew I was on TV for a long time. So that night I did the overnight at WFAN. So I went on the air at 2 a.m. So after that game was over, it ended about 1143, 1145. I get in the car with my dad. I know I got a little bit of time. Mets extra. Mets were on our station at the time. Steve Summers was coming on after that. And then after that, I was going to do the overnight. And my dad and I drove to Wendy's. I wanted a spicy chicken sandwich, try to make myself feel better. And they ran out of spicy chicken. And I was upset. I was like, come on, Wendy's. Like, I just need my number six. Where the hell's my spicy chicken sandwich? And then I got to Kaufman Astoria Studios, where WFN used to be. And Joe Beningo was there, who was not my partner at the time. I had barely known Joe. And Joe was on with Steve Summers, talking about the pain of this game and how difficult it was. And I followed them 
at 2 a.m. I did the overnight that night. I think I still have the tapes of that show. Boy, I, that'd be that'd be something to listen to. I, you know what? Maybe on the next Rico Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Would anybody want to hear that though? Highlight. I mean, I probably sound so different because it was so long ago, but that could be that. You know what? That could be interesting. <laughs> we have to we have to pull the tape on that. I'm 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 down to listen to that. I think my parents uh, audio cassetted a lot of the shows I did when I was doing overnights back then. So I can definitely try to find it. I don't remember anything about that show. I remember it was very difficult and it was very, very painful because I think sometimes when your team loses, there's anger and sometimes there's sadness. And it's, there was a lot of sadness and a lot of shock because that team was so good and they were so much better than the Cardinals. And it just felt like this is our year. This is really going to be our year. Remember, it was the 20-year anniversary, too, of the 86 Mets. Think about that in 2006. And uh, it was not the case. It was not be. So it was a very, 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 very painful game. I did enjoy the commercial for the OC. That was kind of cool. Like, the commercials are cut out in the YouTube clip we were watching, uh, the YouTube version of this most of us were watching but at one point joe buck said tune in on tuesday for a new edition of the oc and i'm like that's my jam love the oc let's go so that was fun but did i ever did i ever tell you about the uh, i was working at uh 923 free fm at the time and i convinced tom chiasano to waste the rest of our budget dollars on a free fm commercial after the last (laughs) game on fox Oh my God! Really? I told him he's like uh, he's like this will be the rest of our promotional money for the rest of the year. I go, dude, the Mets are winning. It'll be fantastic. Everyone will be celebrating. Watching the commercial be great. I never. And nobody was watching. They all shut it off. I know. What's the word? He's like, I'm not watching this crap. No wonder why the station tanked. By the way, uh, uh, one last thing about Beltron because this is, I think, the most aggravated thing. You saw his numbers going into that game seven. They were crazy for the playoffs. He, yeah, he, he was good did. in the postseason. Yep, he yep. he did what he was was there to do. That's the reason why the Mets brought him in. He and and that's the most frustrating thing is that was the last moment you see of him in a Mets uniform in the playoffs. It's so unfair because ultimately, when you look at how everybody performed in that playoffs, Carlos Beltran performed. You know, even going back to the first inning of the game, you know that double is what got that rally started in the first inning. And luckily, he was driven in by David. But Beltron gets a bad rap. It just he's he's the image when it shouldn't be him. Like I gave you a rant about Billy Wagner. Our anger for why things went bad that year or in that series should be more directed at Billy Wagner than they would be Beltron. They, they really should. But sometimes our anger isn't fair. Sometimes it's just not fair, and it stinks that that's the memory of Carlos Beltran. And I I don't know if it necessarily is for everybody, but it's certainly a part of his legacy as a member of the Mets. And I keep thinking back to the alternate history where Jason Isringhausen doesn't get hurt. And Jason Isringhausen is trying to close this game out. And Beltran, who had great success against him, hits one over the fence. That's the alternate history I hope for. But what I do know about this rewatch exercise that we did is that when we do this again, we need to watch a win. The, the losses are really, really, really tough. So when we do another rewatch, can we pick a win? We did a win last year. We did a loss this year. 
I think we've got to go back to a win, whether it's a win from this era or a win from the 80s or a win from the 60s or a win from the, I don't even care. I think I've talked about the idea of picking just a random med game, like the most random med game you could find on YouTube and just watching it. That could be a fun exercise as well. But whatever you recommend, certainly let us know. Thoughts on this game, thoughts on how you feel, thericob at gmail.com. We appreciate the interaction, thericob at gmail.com. And we appreciate everybody that tried to guess what Met jersey I was wearing at that game. I will reveal the answer on the next edition of Rico Bronia. So that, thank you very much for listening, for subscribing, and hopefully you didn't cry too much and you aren't as depressed as maybe you could be after watching this game and talking about this game. But thank you for crying with us on Rico Bronia. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronia podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times.